Well, we are in the fourth and final week of Advent. Um, and of course, Advent means coming, coming. And so uh, we're going to talk about the promise of his coming and the promise of peace that comes with it. This last week, we are going to be talking about peace. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and just hold that for a minute because I want to take you on a little journey. In the classic tale by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there are four human characters, the youngest of which is a young lady named Lucy. And Lucy gives this great description about the present state of, of Narnia, this mystical, magical place, this, this land. And she also gives a description of the ruler, if you will, of that land, the white witch. See, the, for many, many, many years, this land, this magical land had been under her siege. Lucy describes her. She says this. She says, she's a perfectly terrible person. She calls herself the queen of Narnia, though she has no right to be queen at all. She has made a magic so that it's always winter in Narnia. Don't miss this. Always winter, but it never gets to Christmas. Always winter, but it never gets to Christmas. The inhabitants of Narnia were waiting for the coming of the great lion. It's always winter, but it never gets to Christmas. That must have been how the, how the Jews felt at the coming, of, right before the coming of Jesus Christ. It had to feel like an endless season of winter, always winter, but never getting to Christmas. You see, it had been over, it had been around 400 years since the Jewish nation had heard the voice of God. The Jewish nation had been overthrown and now they were under siege by the Roman Empire. And for the Jews, it was a terrible, horrible time of, of persecution and oppression. You see, the Romans and the Roman government, they had great disdain for the Jews and for the religion of the Jews. How could you worship and believe in a God that you've never seen? that you've never heard of, that you can't smell or taste or touch. No letters, no phone calls, no emails, no voicemails, no text messages, no FaceTime, no Instagrams, no nothing for 400 years. And to the Romans, it was pointless to serve a God that you couldn't touch or taste or see or smell let alone one that had abandoned his own people for 400 years. Yet in spite of Roman persecution and Roman oppression, many Jewish leaders of their day continued in their devotion to their God. They continued to rehearse the scriptures daily, continued to pray, continued to offer up sacrifices to their God, even though God had been silent. For 400 years, the Jews had been hoping 
for Messiah, waiting for the day when the Prince of Peace would be revealed. 400 years and still nothing. It was still winter. They hadn't got to Christmas. Then one day everything begins to change. Change occurs first when, when an angel of the Lord appears in the temple where the priest Zacharias goes in. And the angel appears and Zechariah becomes speechless because of the angel. The first time that, that, that any activity from heaven had happened on earth for 400 years, he's speechless. Christmas is coming. And then later on, the angel Gabriel appears to the virgin Mary. And then in accordance with the scripture found in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, the Bible says a virgin would conceive, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow the virgin Mary and she would conceive. And she was to call his name Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. Christmas is coming. Later on, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and the Bible says that at the sound of Mary's voice, watch this now, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the presence of God active in the, in, the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit now is clearly beginning to move amongst his people. For the first time in 400 years, the spiritual climate of Earth's atmosphere is beginning to change. Christmas is coming. And then for the first time, in all of that time, we see in the book of Luke, the second chapter, that the silence is broken. After 400 years of silence, God speaks. Scripture tells us that in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, there's a man named Simeon who is faithful in his devotion to God, a man who is described as, as waiting for the, the consolation of Israel. That word consolation means, means comfort, a time of comfort and renewed hope that would be realized at the coming of Messiah because with him would come the redemption of Israel. So God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit speaks for the first time. Can you imagine that? So here's Simeon, a devout man, praying in the morning, God, I thank you. I don't even know if you hear me. It's been a long time. My, my dad and my, my dad's dad and my dad's dad is not, they've not heard from you, but, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I thank you, and I just hope that you hear me. Simeon. That's how I picture God sounding. You know, the deep voice, Simeon. What's happening? Now, you know, I, I think that that's probably how God, now I know that's how, that's how God would speak to me. You know, I think God speaks to everybody differently. So maybe for you it works like this. 
Simeon. Is that better? Right? But it doesn't matter. Here's what happened. God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to Simeon and he makes a promise. He says, listen, man, your eyes will not shut for the last time. You will not die before Messiah is revealed. And here's what happens. Simeon, following the lead of the Holy Spirit, steps into the temple at the very same moment that Mary and Joseph step into the temple. Now get this now. God, the Holy Spirit, has already came upon Mary. She's pregnant. God, the Holy Spirit, has already filled Elizabeth with his presence. Simeon, this devout man, has been offering up sacrifices to God, and now God is clearly speaking to him, and the Holy Spirit is upon him too. And he walks into the temple, and I can picture him looking out there and, and saying, that's, that's him. That's Messiah. And watch this now. I really believe, because the Bible teaches us, that the Spirit of God within us bears witness one with another. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells in you dwells in me. I don't think you heard me. Let me say that again a different way. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago dwells in me and dwells in you. That's a little better. So I believe, I believe in accordance to Scripture, this is what happens. Look at what it says in verse 27. And he, Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when his parents, talking about Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus, brought Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Now, I'll just give you a little brief synopsis here. You know, uh, there was a time of purification for the women that was 40 days. And after that time of purification, um, uh, the, the couples would bring their, their, their children to the temple to, to offer sacrifices of dedication for their child. And this is what Mary and Joseph was coming to do. And it, was, and it was obvious that they were poor because there were two or three different levels of sacrifices. The greatest one being the sacrifice of a ram along with the turtle dove. But all Mary and Joseph had was, was enough, just enough, to offer up two turtle doves. Listen what the verse says here. And he, Simeon, took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Everybody say peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation peace and salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory and for glory to your people Israel. Now, here's what I want to lift out of this passage, because here's what's apparent to me in this passage. Devotion to God leads to deep, intimate relationships. Relationship leads to revelation, and revelation leads to salvation, and salvation with it brings the promise of peace. 
It's God's desire for every single one of us to enjoy the same wonder-filled peace that, that grabbed a hold of Simeon that he experienced the first time when he saw Jesus and held the Savior of the world in his arms. The very first Christmas. Just as God revealed Jesus to Simeon, God wants to reveal Jesus Christ to us as well. The Prince of Peace has come. So, he promises peace. How, how do we receive this peace? How can we receive the promise of, of this peace that God promises us? I want to give you three simple but yet timeless truths that I want to raise out of this passage today that I promise you, if you apply these truths to your life, you will experience the peace of God in your life. Timeless truths. Here's the first. To receive the promise of peace, we have to want it. We have to want it. See, the promise of peace is available to every single person who wants it. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is available to everyone. And verse 31 reminds us that salvation has been prepared for all peoples. Everybody say all peoples. All peoples without distinction. Paul writes for us in Galatians, he said, if there's no distinction between Hebrew or to Jew and Greek or bond or free or male or female, all can experience the grace and salvation that comes in relationship with Jesus Christ. We all have equal access to the peace of God that comes through faith in Jesus. But you have to want it. You have to want it. The second way that we receive God's promise of peace is we have to be willing to wait for it. Now, let me settle in here real quick because this is important. Have to be willing to wait for it. You know, back in the day, you know, I can talk about my, my church experience because it's mine. I'm not going to get mad at myself and quit coming to church. And so when I was coming up, the old, church, the old folks used to sing a song, especially the old mothers, you know, and in my church, the old mothers, they, they, they kind of got an attitude when they sang a song, you know. So you got to start like this. I heard somebody say amen. You got to start like this with, with that attitude. It's, it's, it goes something like this. My Lord. Here's the song. May not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Come on. You may not come when you want him, but he's right on time, my Lord. You may not come when you want him. Mm. He may not come when you want him. Uh. He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Yeah. Listen, I like y'all. Yeah, he may not come when we want him, but how many of you know that the timing of God is always perfect? The problem is 
we often get impatient. We can't wait. And I'll tell you, some of the greatest heartache that we will ever experience in our lives stems from our inability, our unwillingness to wait on the promises of God. We get tired of asking God to grant us our petition, to grant us peace about a situation. We get tired of asking him. And so here's what we do. We go and we take matters into our own hands. We manufacture our own peace. And manufactured peace, brothers and sisters, family, will more often than not lead to heartache. We get into untimely relationships that lead to horrible marriages because we married the wrong person. This time of the year, especially, we get caught up in the hype of Christmas and we borrow money that we know we can't pay back. We borrow needlessly because we can't wait. Many of us get frustrated with our jobs and we quit our jobs before we find another one. You thought that there was chaos on your job? You haven't seen chaos until you quit your job and can't find one. Searching for peace. We sever relationships sometimes without having all of the facts. And being impatient will cause us to, to get into business deals that will suck up all of our resources. Leave us dry. See, every time we search for peace in our own strength, we fail to look to the power of God for his provision and for his peace. Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Let the peace of God rule, govern your hearts. Yeah. Let it rule. Let the peace of God rule. Don't get impatient. Wait on God's timing. Because when we operate in God's timing, he promises that we will experience his perfect peace. Jesus said it this way. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace I give to you. Not the peace of the world, but my peace, a lasting peace, not a temporary peace. My peace, he says, and he promises that he would keep us in perfect peace. If we keep our mind stayed on him, and if we stay focused on the things of God. So, to experience God's promise of peace, one, we have to want it. Two, we have to wait for it. And finally, we have to expect it. See, Simeon got exactly what he expected to receive at first Christmas. Why? Because he trusted God. Because he trusted the promises of God, he was able to hold in his arms the hope of glory, the eternal hope of our salvation. So what's your expectation? What do you want for Christmas? Have you experienced Christmas? 
I'm not talking about the commercial Christmas. I'm talking about the real reason for the season, Jesus Christ. Have you experienced it? What do you hope to receive for Christmas? Maybe you're hoping to find peace in the presence that's under the tree, or maybe you're hoping to find peace in the wonderful, delicious dinners that we're going to eat around the holidays, or maybe the delectable desserts that we're going to enjoy. Better be careful with those, by the way. But maybe you'll look for peace in those. Maybe you'll look for peace in the fellowship of family and friends, and all those things are good. I want you to hear that. They are. But they don't compare with the peace that comes through real relationship with the Prince of Peace. The true reason for the season. And Lee, you can bring the team up. So what makes this peace possible? Verse 34 tells us, Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph, and in this blessing he declares this. He says, the Messiah, the one that you're holding in your hands, he's going to bring the nation to repentance, all nations. And he's going to reveal the hidden things that are lodged in the human's heart. And he says this. He says, and Mary, you just need to be aware that his suffering is going to cause you great sorrow. Why? Because the purpose of his father is going to lead to his death on the cross. You see, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that makes peace possible for us. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is the absence of hostility. And in Jesus Christ, God comes in human flesh. God incarnate. He becomes a man. And then Jesus becomes the only perfect sacrifice to ever walk the earth. No more needed. Only him. The only one capable of addressing this hostility that had existed between God and man because of man's rebellion and disobedience. And on the cross... Jesus Christ became the object of God's hostility towards man. And when he hung on the cross, he abolished forever any other payment that would be need to ransom our sins. He became the perfect payment, the perfect sacrifice. And he ended forever the hostility between God and man. He came, he died. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof positive that God has accepted Christ's ransom for us. So here's what you need to hear from me today. Without the cross, there is no Christmas. Without the cross, there is no peace. And apart from Jesus Christ, apart from relationship with him, there is no true peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And if we place our trust in him, we have the promise of everlasting peace. I want to close today by reading you a passage out of Isaiah chapter six, chapter 9. 
Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Christmas has come, y'all. Christmas has come. Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. Father, I want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for just simple truth. That if we want real peace, lasting peace, it comes from you, for you are the Prince of Peace. And with you comes peace. Not the peace of the world, but lasting, eternal peace. We celebrate your birth. In the name of your Son, amen.